And I think if there's something for which you have any niggling interest at all, you can explore one thing that will lead you to another, to another, to another, to say, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Or maybe it'll take you to a whole different realm of, of exploration. Hello, and welcome to Creative at Home, Creative Conversations. I'm Lindy Franklin-Smith, one of the founders and the artistic director of the Lexington Theatre Company. In this new podcast, we'll be talking all about creativity, how to tap into it, how to practice it, and what exactly it means. We're going to be talking to creative artists from all around the country, and we're so excited for you to be a part of Creative Conversations. episode, we're picking up where we left off with Wayne Bryan, producing artistic director at Music Theater Wichita. You can catch the first half of this creative conversation in episode four, but for now we'll continue on discussing the power of interpretive artists, the importance of storytelling, and how we can all practice creativity. Welcome back, Wayne Bryan. I want to talk a little bit about the power of these stories that we're telling as regional theaters, as directors, and how important this tradition of storytelling is, especially in the live medium, which I I know we're not able to do right now in the way we've always done it. But I know for me, I've always been a live theater kind of gal. I never dipped my toe into film and television just because I've always loved the idea of the audience and the actors experiencing the moment together. How do you feel about the power of what we do as live storytellers? I, I think it's what's going to save us because with the challenges that live theater has right now, when the virus pandemic began, you could just look at this and see, okay, they're going to close down a lot of businesses because we just don't know exactly how this works and everybody needs to be safe and that's absolutely the right choice. And businesses are going to start coming back, but the last ones that are going to come back are the ones where people are packed in close to each other, like our audiences, or the ones where they have a lot of physical contact like dancers and people who are doing a quick change backstage, places that have old or faulty ventilation systems like a lot of performing facilities do. I think it would be easy for people now who are ready, you know, so used to Zooming their meetings and watching their Netflix and streaming their HBO and their Amazon Prime, which I love all of that. But people do have a hunger that I think has gone back since probably the very, very beginning to huddle together in a cave somewhere where somebody tells a story and we all experience it together and we come together as one. You know, watching the the various protest marches this week around the country for the civil rights and racial issues that are so a part of our national conversation right now, watching and seeing the confrontational events that have happened in some places, and then watching some policemen doing a dance with others in the street and connecting, and the immediate sense of goodwill and the 
decrease of tension that comes from people sharing a bit of music together, singing together or dancing together is just a, a primal tool that we have to remind us that we're human beings with each other. It's just so important. And even though you and we are in a digital world right now where we're staying in touch with our audiences through other means than having the live performances, I know they will come back because we crave those and we need them and they have such power for us. Mm, so beautifully said, and I couldn't agree more. I want to talk about a little bit about uh, the mission behind the work at Music Theatre Wichita. It's been such an influence on the mission here at the Lex, which is providing not only amazing professional Broadway caliber theater for your community, but also training the next generation of performers. Jeremy and I got our start there as performers in the collegiate ensemble at MT Wichita. You have this knack, Wayne Bryan, about seeing potential in young artists that they don't even see themselves. I can count it over and over again in my life when, whether as an actor or a choreographer or a director or an artistic director, you saw the ability in me before I saw it in myself and just subtly... I, I can't help it if you're just not bright. <laughs> it was pretty easy to see, really. It truly was. I remember my first audition for you. I was a sophomore, I think, at OCU. And I was so nervous because I had just heard all about music theater Wichita and how wonderful it was. And I wanted to be there so, so badly. And I felt like I bombed that first audition. And I will never forget, I, I sang something and I was struggling with it. And I, I stopped a couple of times and you were just so gentle and kind and you said you know let's do it one more time let's just do it one more time and I just thought for sure I had just blown it it was never going to happen I was never going to work there but the next season I did the full season I did was part of that honk original cast recording and but it was something I didn't know I I could do and I know there are scores of other young artists out there that can tell very similar stories of feeling like we weren't sure if we had what it took, but somehow you not only saw it, but you cultivated it and gave us that confidence to go off and follow our dreams. How do you see this potential and then mold and shape it so beautifully? Is there a secret? You know, we, we exist in this big round building called the Century Two Complex, and it was built as a multi-purpose center in downtown Wichita in the late 60s. And when they opened it, they had the concert hall. And it's 2,100 seats. And that was built with the idea that the Wichita Symphony would have that as their home. But the Wichita Symphony only works during the school year, and the summers were free. So the first few years of the building's existence, they brought in uh, touring packages in the summer. And I wasn't around then, so I don't know why it didn't work. But they were dissatisfied both with the artistic quality and with the financial returns on it. So in 1972, some city founders got together and said, you know, our symphony works really well, and our symphony hires a lot of local people, and our symphony has a certain high quality that's just always here we can count on. Also, there's a youth symphony that comes up and works with them, so let's do a musical theater that can use students and we can kind of control. 
And so that was the idea behind it from the very beginning, to have something that would preserve a general level of quality that wouldn't dip with the sometimes questionable quality of the touring shows, some of which are put together wonderfully and some of which are not put together or maintained well at all. So the first producing director, Jim Miller, was there for eight years, and he was a more scholastically-minded guy who worked at Friends University. It had a very community-based, using teachers to direct and using local students to act. And because there wasn't much of a dance program in Wichita, students from Oklahoma City University started being brought up to fill out the ensembles of the shows. And a couple years in, they brought uh, John Holly in as an assistant to kind of get it more professional. And John brought in the use of equity actors and really uh, brought up the level of several notches, I think. John then ran it for eight years after Jim Miller. And then the story that I related, I came and worked for John Holly, And I thought the organization of the place was really good. And then when I came on board as the producing director... I had to study and learn a little bit more about the apprentices that are high schoolers that work for nothing, but they get classes, and they must move from shop to shop if they're going to work on more than one show. They can't. We can't just find out that they're a good painter and stick them in the paint shop all summer. That's great. We know that about you. Okay, now you need to work in electrics. Now you need to go work with the stage managers to see how the actual artistic stuff is put together. Now you should work in costumes just to see what it takes to put a costume together. So the high school apprentices move around, and then if they show a facility for some area, then we might hire them back on a salary as an intern the next year, and they would work just in that shop. But they would still get to come to classes and workshops and do those things that we do for the apprentices. And then if they show promise, or if they're graduating up to college, they can be hired back as a regular staff person. So in every shop, carpentry, costumes, sets lights, paint. We have top-notch professionals running that shop and then people who are getting their masters or getting their bachelors in the next tier. And then we have very talented high schoolers who are, want to work in that field. Every area from the performers to the technical shops, we have a good way of nurturing the next generation of it. And that has served us well. Well, and your alumni, wow. I mean, it's hard to open a playbill on any show on Broadway and not find M.T. Wichita amongst the credits of the actors or knowing that some of the creative staff or the designers, the technicians are often working at other amazing regional theaters or on Broadway. How does that feel looking back on 32 years of cultivating these young artists and then watching them becoming a huge part of the tradition of Broadway and storytelling in regional theater. Well, that's the whole deal. That's, you know, I don't have kids, so my legacy, if if there is one, is all of the people who've worked at this theater who might take it and build their own theater in Lexington, Kentucky, and say, okay, we'll take care of the next generation. Thank you very much. That's how the story goes on. It's wonderful. And it also validates these kids who are growing up in the Midwest to know that they can be in the teen choir right now. But Sheena Morris, who's got nine Broadway shows, was in the teen choir. And so was Desi Oakley, who just played Roxy Hart on Broadway. When we have our high school awards, I can call Kelly O'Hara 
to say, hey, would you film a little hello to them? Or, or composer Stephen Schwartz, because they all understand that this is part of the legacy and all of those people, the Kelly O'Harris, the Stephen Schwartzes, all are people who believe in giving back, who appreciate whatever step up they got. They are all people like you and Jeremy who would find your own way and would be successful. But I think art theater maybe helps boost it, move it along, remove a few obstacles, hopefully, uh, encourage you at a moment where you might be having second thoughts. That's what we're here for. We can't make people more talented, but maybe we can clear away some hurdles or invest in some internal endorsement that lets you push past all the obstacles that a, a young person in this industry is always going to face. Uh, so, so beautifully said, and you captured it perfectly. It's, it's so many things. It's the connections. We always say, I talk about, I, I literally mention Music Theater Wichita at the beginning of every audition for the Lex. Um, I talk about why we're here and why the Lex was founded, that we started it to pay it forward because of everything we learned at MT Wichita. And I talk about the things specifically that you mentioned. It's the confidence. It's being in the room. I got to do a show with Kelly O'Hara when I was in college. We were both in your showboat. And when you stand on stage... And you're looking at Kelly O'Hara and you're thinking, I can hang with her. I Maybe, okay, maybe moving to New York's not such a crazy idea. Maybe I could do this. You know, it's the confidence and the connections. I found my way into my equity card and that first sort of I am a, an equity professional actor through the connections I made at MT Wichita because you happened to pick me to be the dance captain for your production of Ragtime, which connected me to Joe Locaro. He took me on several productions and we wound up at North Carolina Theater together where I got my equity card on that show. And Ragtime has been such a pivotal show in my career in numerous levels and so special to me. And it all started with that very first production when you introduced me to the piece back at Music Theater Wichita, it's it's absolutely, it's connection, it's confidence, it's that collaboration and meeting your peers. And if the Lex can be any sort of tiny way that we could pay it forward, it means so much. It's very affirming to have the conversation because that's exactly what I feel like MT Wichita has done for so many. And it's such a huge part of why we wanted to make the Lex, to try to do the same. So much of what we're hoping to inspire this summer, while we're all spending a little more time at home and a little less time gathering together, is how to continue to stay engaged, to stay creative, even if we may not be able to be inspired by going and seeing performances and hearing music and, and that sort of thing. You work with so many creative people. You are insanely creative. What When I say the word creative... What comes to mind for you? What do you think is the definition of creativity? I do think about this sometimes because I, for somebody who works in the arts and who just immerses himself in all the, the lore and the music and the scripts and all that, I'm kind of a linear guy, kind of, I need to take care of this and take care of this and take care of this. And I think the common concept of creativity is somebody who just 
sees a butterfly and creates a ballet or does, you know, a watercolor. And I never think of myself as being creative in those genuine ways where you get an inspiration from something and you make a piece of art or a statement out of it. I always think of my gifts as being in the interpretive field, that I can take material that has been worked out and make it come alive for people or make sure we deliver it as truthfully as possible or maybe deliver it in a way where someone takes a new look at it. And it has taken me a long time to realize that that's creativity also, that it's responding to stimulus and bringing something new to it. In order for me to be creative, as we'll pick five shows for the summer, now that I've done this such a long time and I give myself a little bit of credit for being able to do this, I will immerse myself in the era or the writings or the artwork of the time, and I'll certainly listen to the albums over and over again because hearing a score to something makes me definitely visualize what it should look like on stage and the different things it might be saying. So I just take a deep dive into all this, and then when I get in the rehearsal room, I allow the spontaneity of the moment to move forward. And I do find that inspiration does come if you feel comfortable with the material that you're going to be interpreting. So I don't know if that exactly answers your question, but that's how creativity for me, for Wayne Bryan, kind of spells out. It's not necessarily in creating from scratch. Years ago, we were in the midst of a season, our 25th anniversary season, and they were going to do a big construction. They're going to build a hotel next to our facility, and we were going to lose 600 parking spots that summer. And so we were afraid everybody would come late to the theater and not be able to find a parking space, and we'd have to hold the curtain, and it was going to be a big mess. So that year, we opened our doors to the theater an hour before the show, and then we would have, the first show was Man of La Mancha, so we had guitar music and some flamenco dancers, and then I brought the leading actors out and spoke to them about the show that the audience was about to see, anything to try to get people to want to come early, so if there were parking problems, we'd at least have them solved by the time the curtain needed to go up. And we did that all that summer, and at the end of it, we got so many comments that people liked the pre-show talk. So we've shortened it back, but we do have different things that put the audience in the frame of mind. Our teen choir may do songs of that era, or they may do something to sneak preview the upcoming show. I'll give the history of that musical. Maybe we'll have one of our guests, but not the actors. We've stopped having the actors do that, because I think the actors should be seen by the audience as the character for the first time. And then if they want to stick around after and talk to them, that'd be fine. So now we're stuck in our homes and people are writing me and saying they're really going to miss this summer's shows and they're going to miss the pre-show talks. And uh, one lady wrote and said, I'm going to channel my best Wayne Bryan. I'm going to get my friends together and watch some movies and I'm going to look up the background of those shows. So I thought, oh, well, maybe we can have movie club. So this summer we're going to have movie club. So every opening night we will launch a video of my doing all the background on what that movie is, and then they can watch that movie streaming it on Amazon or YouTube. There are different 
venues, but they'll watch it on their own. And then afterwards, there'll be another video where I'll tell them some things I didn't want them to know beforehand, kind of like my late friend Robert Osborne on Turner Classic Movies. And if it's a show that we've done, a version of, we'll show some clips to show how that film got translated into a stage version. So we're going to do that on the five weeks that we would have had performances. But then in the off weeks, I'm going to do movie club with shows that they may not have seen, lesser-known musicals. My Sister Eileen, Bob Fosse's first acknowledged choreography on screen. I don't know how my designer friends are doing this summer without real projects to work on. Or they might have things they'd like to work on, but they still need to earn a living. You know, and without the theaters being able to hire them this summer for designs, I hope they're finding creative outlets that may, some of them may be doing some illustrations. There is certainly more online programming that's ever been before. And I think for actors, it's interesting that a lot of the online performance is turning into its own unique style. Like that Sondheim 90th birthday tribute was incredible. And it's people alone in their homes reflecting on a Sondheim lyric. And it's kind of, let's pay attention to this because there's things we're going to learn from this to be creative in the future. I think you're exactly right. I think it's been such a difficult time and figuring out how to operate in within these new parameters has been a creative challenge in and of itself. But I do think we're all starting to find some new new ways of doing things that we might carry with us even when we can get back to doing what we've always done before. And I think that's such an interesting thing to think about too in terms of of creativity and the power of creativity is coming up with solutions to hard problems and tapping into that creative side, repurposing something, turning uh, your curtain speeches into the movie nights, I think that's brilliant. It's taking two things that were seemingly different and and making them into something new, making a hat maybe where there were never was a hat. <laughs> and I think you know one of the thing one of the conversations we're interested in having here at the Lex is whether your aspirations are to be a professional artist or not, that the power of accessing that creativity and getting comfortable with your creativity can help problem solve in any industry or in any medium. And it's such an important practice for us all, whether we consider ourselves artists or not. Do you have any tips or suggestions or tricks for, for maybe someone who's out there who's listening who doesn't think of themselves as creative, or maybe like you mentioned, is a more sort of linear thinker. I feel the same way, Wayne, or I feel like my strength is in interpreting as well. But what do you suggest for somebody who maybe is curious about it or feels like it's not within their wheelhouse or their skill set? Any ideas for just how to get started? That's a, an interesting question during any times. And I think my brain is a little blunted right now with the virus environment where there are a lot of social gatherings and night classes and things that just don't exist right now. I find that YouTube exploration can really take you down some interesting rabbit holes. A feral cat that we've been feeding outside our house deposited a litter of five kittens on my back deck uh, two weeks ago. 
And then the mother got scared and ran off. And then she came back and reclaimed them one by one and took them, I think, to a nest that she has between two fences next door. So four of the five got taken care of, and I thought for sure she was coming back for the last one. And I put a little warmer in the nest with him overnight, figuring she'd come in the night and get him. And I got up really early the next morning and went out and looked, and he had not been claimed. So he has now been claimed by this household. I'm learning what it is, a one-day-old kitten, a two-day-old. Now he's 15 days old. But YouTube had just incredible help on how to nurture them, how to take them. And I think if there's something for which you have any niggling interest at all, you can explore one thing that will lead you to another, to another, to another, to say, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Or maybe it'll take you to a whole different realm of, of exploration. In, in a regular world, I'd say, you know, go try to do something that you're uncomfortable with, volunteer somewhere, or if there's somebody you've met that you think they're interesting, go follow them at work or see if there's a way to apprentice on something. It kind of depends. A lot more people are cooking now because they're staying home and grabbing. And there's a lot more creativity, I know, in this household with figuring out what's left in the closet. Well, what can you make out of that? Creativity can show up in things that are you know, close to your home, or you might look at your city that you're used to and that you grew up in and that you take for granted and pretend that it's a city that the bus of a European tour just left you off and you have a day to explore it and say, you know, what, what would I get from a guidebook? What is there interesting about this place? And what history does that lead to? And who were those people? And there's a plaque on this door. Who were those folks. And I wonder if there's anything written about them on Wikipedia. And if not, maybe there needs to be. Maybe I could do some research on this. I mean, that, that, you know, I'm the word guy. So that kind of thing would appeal to me. But I think there are avenues for creativity, adding, you know, new shelving to your garage and finding, you know, examples on the internet of better new ways to do it than what you've thought about before. Yeah, it's not limited to the theater or the arts at all. Absolutely. I think that's such good advice. So many interesting things to think about. Well, Wayne, is there anything else we haven't talked about that you'd like to add to this creative conversation? Well, I just hope your community knows what a remarkable thing you've done and what a smart thing it is for a community to embrace this. I see the news reports, like when you did the West Side Story and your Tony was feted as being his day. I think that's all so great for a city to have pride in what is grown locally and the kinds of entrepreneurial things that are happening, the jobs that are created because you're doing this at the Lex in the summers, and all the kids who might grow up with a vague idea that they might should be performers or they might should be designers or painters who, because you're doing this, they have a place they can actually go watch people do it and see if maybe there's a place for them in the staff somewhere or as a volunteer. It is such an important thing for a community. And as we talked about early on, and as I know we're all continuing to work with this week, especially just to remind people of our shared humanity. You know, if you know people and like people, you can't possibly be prejudiced against them. You have to understand where they come from and celebrate our differences, but celebrate our 
commonalities, and you're doing such a great job with that, you and Jeremy and your family. Thank you so much, Wayne. That means the absolute world. It has been an absolute pleasure getting to have this creative conversation with you today. And before we go, if folks want to find out more about all the wonderful work you're doing at Music Theater Wichita, where can they go? Probably the Music Theater Wichita Facebook page. But we have a lot of stuff uh, and a lot of new stuff is going to be coming up on our webpage, mtwichita.org. That's Wichita, W-I-C-H-I-T-A dot org. Thank you so much for all you've done for us, for all you've done for the theatrical community. We appreciate you so much. Thanks for inviting me. I love this. We'd like to thank our sponsors, the Bruce Lunsford Young Artist Program at the Lex, the Murray Foundation, CHI St. Joseph Health, Central Bank, and Kentucky Utilities and LG&E. I hope you enjoyed today's creative conversation. To find out more about our additional creative at home programming, please visit our website, lexingtontheatercompany.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to check out our online bilingual music education series, Adventures and Casa, hosted by Lex Creative Media designer Joseph Wrightson in collaboration with another Lex alum, Nicolas Acosta. Adventures in Casa airs every Monday at 3 p.m. on our Facebook and YouTube channels and can be rewatched anytime on those same platforms. Thanks to our Lex team, especially our creative media designer, Joseph Wrightson, and our producing director, Jeremy Smith. We'll see you next time on Creative Conversations. Creative Conversations.